strokes of country. Welcome to your side serving of Strokes of Country in association with BBR Music, produced by Why Now, where we bring you the best of country, folk, Americana, and more. I'm Kira, one of your hosts, along with Holly and Ross, who joined me for the full version of this episode over on whynow.co.uk. Today's guest is Kentucky's favourite son, LV Shane. With his new album, Backslider, out now, the BBR signing has been raising the roof of venues with his euphoric brand of gospel country. Ross caught up with him to chat about bringing the full band experience to his live shows, his dad's fantastic description of Eric Church, and his pick for the banger that should have been. You can listen to the extended edition of this interview on whynow.co.uk, where we'll have music from Kelsey Walden, Nancy and Lee, Miranda Lambert and more. Plus, Ross and I take on Holly's infamous lyrics quiz, Two Chords and a Lie. We'll also take a deep dive into the world of country outside North America, selecting some of our favourite country songs from around the world. For now, here's Elvie. Okay, Elvie Shane, welcome to the Strokes of Country show. It is a pleasure to have you, sir. Pleasure to be here, man. Appreciate you. How, how you doing? Man, living the dream, refusing to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just rode in off the bus with the Cadillac 3. I went out with them this weekend. They're, nice. Yeah, man, those guys are awesome. We, uh, I had written with Neil once or twice before the drummer uh, and had only met Jaron one time, uh, but they called and asked me to go out, so I went out with them in a little big town, Miranda, for the weekend, did some writing, and uh, got to enjoy some shows. They had me get up on stage. Surprised me. Amazing. So that's that's quite the uh, quite the songwriters retreat you got going on there. That's quite a group. Man, it was pretty cool. We had a good time. We might have got a little bit too toasted out by the pool in West Palm, Florida, right before the show that day, but we had a good time, and and the crowd did too. So you got to go for it with that sort of thing. Even though, like, you get that little bit hot, but you got to you got to get through it. Man, I'm telling you, if the pool was way too nice. And there were drinks there, so. I mean, what, what more could you ask for at that stage? Not much. <laughs> but how's, how's things across the pond, man? The UK is good, man. It's it's busy. We've got lots of shows. Obviously, you know, finally we're out of the lockdown and things are coming back over. You guys are all coming along and it's it's so nice. It's so nice to finally be able to meet people in person again and really, you know, get to do this more. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to finally getting to come over there, man. It's been a lifelong dream to to come over and check it out, and I feel like just seeing the history of of your crowds over there and, and the music that they resonate with. Uh, I'm, I feel like I hope that they'll uh, they'll enjoy what I bring to the table when we get over that way. Oh, 100%, man, 100%. There's certainly a thing here. You've probably heard it, but um, I think with UK audiences, they they really appreciate sort of every single song that you that you deliver, whether it be a B-side, whether it be an album cut, uh, they'll know every word. And I think that's that that seems to be quite unique, I've, I've heard. Yeah, it really is. I've heard, I have heard that from, from other artists that have went over there, Kip and Brothers and, and Jaren and, and Cadillac 3 and stuff. And it's, it's like 
we put so much work into these records, man, and, and sometimes it's only the it's only the hit or the the one that's that trends on something that that gets listened to. And like this particular record, you know, I spent thirty three years putting it together, man. And it's, it's like I want people to hear it, and I even put it in. I, I even put it all together in a way that it kind of it's a timeline of my life and uh, you know where I grew up, how I grew up, and then meeting my wife and becoming a dad and then coming to Nashville and trying to do this whole thing. So I, I appreciate it when people dig in, you know, that's, I, dug, I dug in to get it out there. So I, I think that's it. So let's, let's, let's talk about the album. Let's talk about Backslider because we're six months on from its release. It's your debut album. First off, do you feel, do you feel the personality of these songs has changed at all since its release? Like, have they taken on any new meaning at all since you've been able to see people's reaction to them? Yeah, man. I mean, especially with My Boy, you know, that song, that was the first song that, that we really focused on. And, uh, you know, I wrote that song from, from my point of view with three friends of mine, but from my point of view... Uh, as a step parent and it's became so many other people's songs now for so many different reasons step parents adoptive aunts uncles coaches teachers uh, there's been so many different ways that i've found that it relates to people the very first song on the record i will run you know that kind of talks about how these things change and and evolve throughout our life all this stuff that i've ran from in, in life and inevitably led me you know to uh to my wife and she's she's led me to uh, be able to make a lot of changes and and focus on my music and stuff so uh, you know originally that song was about my dreams and, and and everything but it's it's became so much more it's became it's became her and it's been my dreams and my career and my songs and everything so um miles the last song uh, those are probably my two favorite songs on the record is the first one and the last one. <laughs> the bookenders yeah man i uh they're both uh cyclical songs and and so i wanted to put them at the beginning and the end just to keep it spinning you know and <clears throat> no pun intended but that song is was written as a tribute to my dad originally and then as it goes on, you know, it's like, oh, I'm kind of calling him out on his BS as a dad, you know, and then it, and then it gets to the back part of the song and it's like, oh, shit, I'm just like him, you know, and I'm like, so it's, they have definitely evolved um, and I'm, I'm long-winded, man. I'm sorry. I grew up Baptist, so uh, no. we're, we're naturally long-winded, but uh, what's been cooler than seeing the songs evolve in, in their ways is just seeing my guys on stage evolve these these guys were all friends the broken arrows band um they were all friends and played music together before we before jacob and i my bass player kind of inserted ourselves into their lives uh so and they're all younger guys and and they're just killing it they get to play the opry for the first time uh last week the amazing join me on stage so but they they are just as big a part of backslider as as i will ever be so do you feel like you've really sort of do you feel like it's a real full band experience like do you feel like you really rather than to be you know it is it's you it's yourself and what you sing and write about but in terms of especially live it's a very much a full band experience yeah dude i'm probably the only guy in nashville coming off a first single with a seven-piece band on stage (laughs) but that goes down well (laughs) i I mean i've i've had people look at me just like 
I'm an alien. Like, what are you thinking? And but then the, those same people come to the show and and they see what all these guys and girl. We got Shotgun Susie on the mic now too. But uh, uh, everybody's got a band name, of course. But, oh, of course. Um, they see what it what it is when it when all of us are up there together, and they I think that I think that just the the camaraderie and the love between all of us just really shines on stage, and where one person can kind of chill out. Like if I need to really focus on my vocal and and get to the heart of the matter with my vocal, uh, you know, there's always somebody else on stage that can keep the energy going, you know, and it's just I, I'm I'm going back and watching videos, man, and I'm just. I'm just so proud of these these guys. And Jenna McClellan is her actual name. We call her Shotgun Susie on stage. But she uh, she actually sang on the record. She sang on uh, Saturday Night Me. Um, and ever since that day in the studio, I was like, my God, if you ever want to sing in my, my band, please, please do not hesitate to call. And so this year, she, she kind of wiped her schedule out and said, hey, I want to focus on this now. And I'm I'm super I'm super proud to have her up there. I can't I can't wait for you guys to get to see a full band show with, uh, with all of them. Yeah, that's the you know like it's it's really excited for it, and I think that's this is the thing we're seeing. Like, it's really nice to see bands coming through, and like so like you guys are doing your thing. You've got Flatland Calvary who are doing an amazing job, and they're they're so good live as well, and obviously like country's always country and sort of like the mainstream view has, has very much been, you know, solo artists and um, sort of unique characters. So it's nice to see groups come through and really cement themselves and have their own unique take on country music. Yeah, man. I, I think that I was talking about this with someone the other day, because you're starting to hear a lot more um, like grunge and, like early 2000s pop punk and late 90s alternative rock, you're starting to see that that fusion starting to come into this new music, and and it's more of a band sound. Food Fighters, all this stuff, it, it's, yeah. all those all those influences are starting to make their way into to country music. Uh, you see that with with Hardy's records, with with Morgan Wallen's stuff, with uh, and and I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and it was kind of a no brainer. It's like that's that's what we were listening to this this new uh, class, if you will, you know, this freshman yeah. or sophomore class of of artists in in the the country music scene is it's it's all the Nirvana and the Foo Fighters and Goo Goo Dolls and and the All American Rejects and, yeah. and you know Fall Out Boy and all this stuff that was going on and so big as we were growing up. I think it's starting to make its its way in there, but we still are hanging on to those influences of our fathers and our, and our, our mothers, you know, from the seventies and eighties. And, and I love it personally. I hope to see more of it. Um, one big reason that I, I like, I have to change keys a lot because sometimes I, I'll just, I'll go too hard and, and I'll, I'll be like, all right, y'all daddy's voice ain't going to do it tonight. We're going to have to drop <laughs> <laughs> we got to drop down a half step, you know, and do this show. Uh, so we don't run any tracks or anything, and that and that allows us to have a lot more freedom on stage. And I I go to people's shows who do who do run tracks, and I have a blast. But for me, I just really love the aspect of not having to rely on this thing that's just right here and perfect every time. I want the imperfections. I, I think sometimes the imperfections is where you find the most awesome 
stuff when you get when, when especially when you're recording, man. It's like, oh, oh, wait a minute, that might have been cool, you know. But I, I think with the band vibe, you get more of that. You you come and like when you come and see LV Shane and the Broken Arrows. I'm not trying to be all third person, but if you're coming, if that's <laughs> the name on the if that's the name on the bill, you're coming. You're seeing a real you're seeing a real show, and and there's gonna be mistakes, and we're just gonna laugh about them. Keep on keep on trucking because it's. It's music, man. It's live music, and it's supposed to be like that. And that's, I think that's what people love, and that's why why your music speaking to people as well. And one of so one of one of my personal favorites of yours is um, it's love cold beer and cheap smoke because to me that's a real real liberating album. It's got sort of like the same sort of effect as like a a meaningful Springsteen or a Tom Petty cut, but. It's still the same. It's still the sort of song that you can blast out alongside, say, "Drinking My Hand." You know, like, tell us a little bit about that one. Oh man, that's a that is a uh, interesting song, or, or how it came about. So, a couple of my friends actually wrote that song and had the song finished, sent it to me, and I loved it. But there was uh, there was parts here and there that just didn't I didn't feel were honest to me, and so. I I'd always go back and listen to it, and I was like, man, how would I make this more myself? And during the pandemic, I'm going through my Dropbox, just looking at songs I've written, songs some of my friends have written, and I hadn't listened to that song in a long time at that point. So it's probably like four or five years old. <clears throat> so I pulled it up one day, and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to work on this. I'm going to send it to them, and if, if they like it, then hell yeah. If they don't, then eh. Okay, cool. Well, it'll stay in Dropbox. I don't know, you know. Um, so I, I I made some changes and and like rewrote the the second verse and and some of the bridge or something. But the chorus, man, you know, Drew Drew Green and Russell Sutton. Russell was also a writer on my boy, but they, those guys had they nailed the chorus first first time. But I just I sent my version over to them and and I, I don't know if it was Russ or Green. It was like, well, dang, I guess there's three writers on here now. But, <laughs> That was his way of saying that, dude. That's sick, you know. I, or they thought that I had made the song better, and and uh, so I was like, awesome. Well, it's one hundred percent getting cut now because that song definitely is, you know. That was three things I was running on, man. Love, Kobe, and cheap smoke is just is out the window, but uh, just like youth is. But um, I love that song as well, man. And I believed in it for a long time. I just I just had to get it right. And uh, for for myself, and and same with the rest of them. I, I, all of these songs, whether you know, I'm, I'm not from Mississippi. I got a song called My Mississippi, but I relate to the I, I relate to the emotion of the song uh, more than anything. And I, I feel like the universal how you find the universal stuff within Love Cold Beer, or Cheap Smoke, or My Mississippi, or I Will Run, or whatever. Is you look at the like the human experience within the song, not the pictures. I love the pictures, but the pictures are just a way to paint the experience, you know. And uh, that's my hope with you know songs like "Running on Love," "Cold Beer," and "Cheap Smoke." Whether you're from small town Kentucky or you live in New York City, I would imagine that teenagers and are doing the same kind of things, you know. Your songwriting it exudes such a freeness to it, like it's fun, it's catchy. People can engage with it and delve into it immediately and instantly. But it's still completely grounded in your values as a person and the things you've experienced and what you want to share with them. 
Man, I feel like um, I appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. I uh, I do try to focus on that. I want to I want to try to be as as honest and authentic as possible, and when still make it all rhyme, you know. Um, I I just finished Johnny Cash's last autobiography. I've been diving into Johnny Cash stuff for the last couple months, and um, there was a little paragraph in his book where he talked about it seemed like when he he was coming up and the artists he was working with, it seemed like they were writing about experiences that they had had in life and that there was more and more, he was seeing more and more of artists coming in and writing as if uh, from, from a place of, of wonder, I guess, or like uh, of, or living vicariously through the music. And he said, I, he's, and Johnny was like, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. And I don't either. Uh, but I'm, I feel blessed that I had the opportunity to have the experiences that I, that I had in life and, and grow up in, in the rural setting that was 10 years behind the rest of the world that I grew up in to be able to tell these stories because while I was there, it sucked. But, yeah. you know, it's like I thought it did, but then you then you get into the real world. You know, you graduate high school, you move out, you find out that – somebody's not going to cook you dinner every night and wash your clothes for you. you know? but, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's what I, this next record I'm working on right now is, is maybe a little bit more uh, mature in the beginning than, than this one was, but it, it's just the opportunity to actually like talk about real life that I've lived, you know, and that scares me to death too, going into this next record. Cause I gave so much to this record. I'm like, what do I do? But I did leave out some stuff on purpose. Yeah. So. Let it, you can, so you're able to sit on it, see if you can like refine it, but also you've got, you've got a bit of content there. You can, you can, you can play with it. Well, when the vinyl comes out, you'll see, uh, I'm, I love Easter eggs, man. So when the vinyl comes out, you'll see like maybe a little marker on the map with a question mark or something on it. You nice. Know? And uh, I spent some time in, in, very heavily involved in the church over here at a younger age. And, you know, that I'm t- I touch on that topic from time to time. And that's always been a big influence in my life, gospel music and, and, you know, gospel rock and roll, man. I, I say, I always say I got a good blend of rock and roll and Jesus growing up and country music's a great mediator in between. Yeah. So yeah. It's such a good way of looking at it. So obviously backside, it was so, like you say, it was so influenced by growing up and, and having these experiences so now that it's out, how are you finding the songwriting you're doing now? Like, has it been influenced by that particular creative stage in your life? Or are we, is it all getting quite like, not that that wasn't real, but are we almost becoming like, do you feel like it's becoming more present? Yeah, man, I feel like it, uh, I feel like it's more fleeting than, than ever now. Uh, since the record came out, it's like, so i i don't want it to i don't want to come across like unappreciative or anything um but i put the record out and i thought that it was going to be like i was going to be the happiest man on the face of the earth forever after that first record came out and and i felt that way for about four days (laughs) and then i was like and dude and then i just got into like this slump that i i've never experienced in my life seriously yeah I just didn't know. I'm I'm proud of the I'm proud of the record. 
And and I'm proud of what all of my co-writers and my producer, engineer, my label, everybody that was involved, I'm proud of what they brought to the table. And and I'll stand behind that record for the rest of my life. But it's always a question of, man, what the hell do I do now? I, I, I'm 33 years old when I put this out, and I put my I put my life into it. And I left out those you know those little segments of my life on purpose, like I was saying. But but now, what do how do I write those, you know? Yeah. And so I felt that way for a long time. And, uh, well, I think we put the record out end of October and I, I think it was late January. And I was just, I was, I was in a bad place. And my kid, one of my kids had just got over COVID. My daughter had RSV. My wife had been home taking care of him. I'd been working and I was home for like four days and I was supposed to go to, Fort Morgan, Alabama, where my producer had turned this beach house into a studio, and I was supposed to be down there writing for like a week and a half. Sure. And I was like, I can't go. I can't leave my my wife and my kids here, you know, with a sick baby and everything. And uh, ZJ, our daughter, she started feeling a little better, and Caleb, he had got better. But, you know, Mandy was still having to to take care of things pretty hot and heavy, and, and it came time the day after I was supposed to originally go down there, I told him I wasn't coming. And I went back and I was like, Mandy, honey, I'm sorry, but I've, I've really, I've got to go down here. And so I went down there and, and we got like six or seven songs and, and they, I was like, Oh, what is this? Because my thing is I never want to put the same record out twice. No. You know? and, and so I was like, the, the big pressure is what's it going to sound like sonically? What's it going to, how's it going to be lyrically? Like how, how do I approach telling these stories now? Because I always have to tell stories. I'm full of crap, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm not actually. I really am full of it, dude. But <laughs> but, uh, but I, my dad was a truck driver, and my my grandpa was a horse trader, so I come by it honest. They say, but but I'm like, how am I gonna? How do I want to? What kind of language do I want to use? What what kind of undertones does this new record need to have? And and we found it, and we found it by just writing songs and playing them as you know, the writers. So these first six or seven songs, it's just, it's me and my producer who's a co-writer as well and, and other songwriters playing. And it's like, it's became this thing that's so cool. And the, the writers get to be more heavily involved, but all the, there's so many writers that are, they're awesome musicians as well. They deserve 100%. the opportunity. So I mean, I'm super, I'm, I am reignited. The, the flame is reignited, man, right now. Um, but I, but I try to keep a little bit of a healthy amount of that dread that I started feeling, you know, after the we put the first record out because I feel like it'll it'll keep keep me driving on, you know, down the road to to figure out where we're going with this next piece. And it could unquestionably, unquestionably inspire it as well. It could yeah, it could always be a factor in that to what you make in the present. Yeah, man, we uh, I, I I've got to have a narrative, and I've got to have a a reason for for anything I put out in the world. So we're working, you know. We'll we'll just say I'll give a little uh, a a pre taste of what the the next stuff, you know, which could be a year and a half, but it's uh, you know, Damascus. They say the road to Damascus is a road to enlightenment, based on you know scripture uh, when Saul turned to Paul on the road to Damascus. And then, but Damascus is also a type of steel that is a bunch of different types of steel that are heated up and, and, and beat together to form this 
I mean, they make beautiful knife blades, swords, whatever. So I think with those two things is like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find my way. So there's the road to enlightenment there, but I'm also, I have so many more influences than just country music. And, and I'm looking around at everybody else that's doing their thing with country music. And I'm seeing all this, you know, all this influence from other places, but you know, sonically, it's not what I'm doing, but I'm like, well, if they can do that, then why can't I pull from all of my different influences so I mean we're we're digging in this time, man. I mean it's it's rock, it's hip hop, it's R and V R R and V R and B and gospel, and and I'm really trying to to pull from everything that's ever inspired me and and throw it into this. And not only the, what the way that we're writing it, the way that we're singing it, but <clears throat> the the way it's going to be mixed, the way the drums are played. You know, we're we're just trying to see how we can take backslider and and really take it somewhere that nobody expected it to go the next time, but still you'll know it's me. You know? Yeah. I know. I can't wait to hear that, man. That's, that's such a nice way of approaching it. And it's, it's exciting. Like you said. Yeah, dude, I, I, I watched one too many Mac Miller documentaries <laughs> in that three month span. And, and, you know, he's a hip hop artist, but that guy was, he he's a brilliant kid. And, uh, RIP. Everybody always says RIP after they say something about Mac Miller, but yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I've I've been going back and digging into a lot of Steve Earle at the same time. Again, he I always find influence there. But then looking at my '90s country influences and stuff as well, I, I just wanted all to show its face. Can't wait. Sounds great. Awesome, brother. So we've got a little uh, little thing that we ask all of our guests, and that is to choose one song that they believe should have been a bigger hit than it was or than it ended up being. Oh. For our feature, we call The Banger That Should Have Been. I don't know if they ever sing of this song, but it's the song that really caught my attention and made me leave the rock band scene and enter into starting to try to write country music. But uh, I never realized how much she brought to the table Till I went to set my cup of coffee where the table used to be uh, well, I'm trying to remember it, that's what I'm saying uh, She got away with everything that I had going It was a Eric Church song off the Sinners Like Me record And dude, if, it's, if, if that song's not a number one I'm just going to go home to Kentucky and quit all this crap. <laughs> but that was the, I was listening to Sinners Like Me record uh, at my buddy's house after I got off work, off working all night at a factory. And that first line of the song came on and I was like, dang, man, I want to write, I want to just focus on writing country music, you know? Yeah. If you can, if you can be set in a scene that fast, off of a line, I think he wrote that with Marla Cannon and Casey Beathard, and Casey Beathard and Marla Cannon are just friggin' monsters anyway. But that's that's my one. That's that's my one song that should have been a banger. That's a pick. That is a pick. Banger that should have been. Banger that should have been, Mr. Eric Church. Yeah, man. I think he's been he's been really great at just continuing to push the bar. And it's like every every time you think, you know, he's he's done what he's going to do stylistically or whatever. And you're, and then you think you've done something cool. Then he has another record come out and it's just like, God dang. But dude, I love it. It's healthy. It's the same way with, it's the same way with, with Morgan, with, with, uh, with brothers Osborne, with Hardy, with Ashley McBride. I, I love finding 
songs or finding a record or, or something that somebody's putting out in the world that I, I don't know what kind of four letter words we can use here, but something <laughs> that just pisses me off, you know? And, yeah. and it's like, ah, and so, but I, I think it's, I think it's healthy. And, and not only it, it might, it pisses me off, but in the best way. And I want them to win for it, but I, but I also want to find, okay, how do I go to the drawing board yeah. and make, make them feel that way when they hear what I, when I throw out. And I think there's some healthy competition there. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see this community. I want to see this community come together some more and, and continue to grow and, and lean on each other stylistically and, and inspire each other. Like I've seen Eric's generation do. And, and, and man, I don't know My, what I was laughing about a while ago was, I got, I got a few little drinks before the, uh, CMT awards, uh, pink carpet sure and and so i just decided to take my drink out there with me but one somebody asked me something about eric and i told him what my dad says about eric and, and you have to know my dad this dude is a he's a creature all right <laughs> my dad's name is scratch uh, and he is my hero and my arch nemesis um, <laughs> but he's he has the best one-liners he's like yeah man Eric Church like a bologna sandwich. When you're hungry, you can't find no food. A bologna sandwich is always gonna be good. <laughs> so when he's looking for stuff to listen to, it's like his go—that's his go-to as well. But alongside of you know John Fogarty or, or Steve or Dwight Yoakam or whatever. But yeah, my my dad my dad taught me a lot about music and. Uh, my mom, she was a singer, and my mom, beautiful singer, sing you know gospel music, and so I learned to love singing through my mom for sure. But I learned to really appreciate lyrics and and artist artistry within within music uh, from from my dad for sure. He always told me to pay attention. He's like, don't worry, don't worry about it if you don't like the beat or if you don't like the guitar part or whatever, you know, just, just keep listening and listen to what they're saying. And he said, just make sure they're saying something. That's, that was what he would always tell me, you know, so. It's good. I'm just going, I'm it's going good to try and say something. It's yeah. good advice. It's very good advice. Well, it seems like y'all, y'all really appreciate when people say something over there. So. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's why it's working. It's going down. We're enjoying well, if it. If I sneak over there sometime this year, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll let you hear some of this new stuff before it comes out. If I'm able to run into you in person, I'd be honoured. I would be honoured, my friend. That would be, be amazing. Awesome. Uh, I know the uh, I think the Cadillac Three boys are heading over quite soon, so you'll have to uh, get in the suitcase with them. I think so. Man, they were uh, we were talking about that. They were trying to get me to come over, but we uh, we already had our August. Uh, I think was booked, so I'm not going to be able to make it. But I am sure. I am working on it right now. We're working on trying to get over there in the next five months i should be able to get over there sometime so nice man sounds great awesome, buddy well thank you buddy i really appreciate i appreciate you having me man this is so cool it's so good to have you man elvis shane thank you for coming on strokes of country thank you guys god bless the uk we appreciate you That was Ross talking to Elvi Shane. To hear the full interview with music from Elvi and all the best and brightest in country music, head over to whynow.co.uk. We've got some really exciting guests coming up for our next episodes, including Everett. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at Strokes of Country for all the updates. You can also follow Why Now on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Why Now World. 
You've been listening to this Why Now production of Strokes of Country. Thank you again to BBR Music and we'll see you soon. Strokes of Country.